Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two weeks into the NBA season and we have a little bit of data to go off. So we're going to talk about some players on whether or not we should be worried or not. Is it time to panic or is it time to still hold in today's Fantasy Basketball Podcast? Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And today we are going to be going over some players that you might be asking yourself, uh, you know, is it, uh, are we worried about them yet? And uh, as my good friend Ron Weasley from Harry Potter would say, Can we panic now? Is it time to panic? <laughs> is it time to uh, get worried about these players and should, uh, you know, sometimes we'll call this a hold or fold, but um, I'm going to call it, uh, should we be worried about these players? Some of these guys are down in the rankings. Well, all of these guys are down in the rankings and whether or not we should be waiting around for to see them to improve and what can we expect to improve, if at all. Uh, we're going to be talking about that today, but before we do, guys, just a quick reminder, make sure, if you haven't already, hit subscribe button over on the YouTube and give this video a big thumbs up if you're enjoying all the content. Or if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give this one a five-star rating and review over there. Make sure you are subscribed on the audio side of things as well. Would very much appreciate it if you guys are enjoying the content uh, during the preseason and during the rest of the season this year. But let's get started with our first player here. We're going to be talking about Walker Kessler. Now, Walker Kessler has been someone who's been very disappointing so far this season. He did have a better game last game, but still the um, issue remains of his minutes, I think is the biggest thing so far holding his value back. So at the moment, he is averaging 24 minutes per game. Uh, this season, and it is not really due to foul trouble. It is 
It is more so due to the fact that the Utah Jazz are wanting to play a bit of a smaller brand of basketball. Kelly Olynyk is still getting his minutes. They've added in John Collins, so sometimes they're rolling with John Collins and Olynyk or John Collins and Lowry or those three players. And Walker Kessler has been going off onto the bench. Now, Walker Kessler, if you watched any of my pre... Well, not any, but a lot of my preseason content, I was always pushing back on uh, Walker Kessler being someone that was valued as high as some of the rankings suggest. There was a little bit of fear from me um, that he wouldn't be someone who's guaranteed 30 minutes a night. I think my projections had him more at 28 minutes. Um, and even that was probably looks like a bit too high. And I do think that there is a reason for us to be worried about Walker Kessler. And I do not think that he's going to be as valuable as a lot of, think, a lot of people uh, hoped for when they drafted him. However, I do think that as the season goes on and the Utah Jazz who are not very good in my opinion, I don't believe that they are going to continue to prioritize players like Kelly Olynyk over, um, or even John Collins for that matter, over someone like a Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is 22 years old and he is definitely much more of the future for that team than those players are. So, it might take a little while and at the end of the year, we might look back and say, yep, he never performed up to his rankings, but... I do believe that he's going to be better than his rankings at the moment suggest. So currently on the season, he's the 145th ranked player in nine category. He is 136th in minus one rankings and 146th when it comes to Yahoo points. Now in a points league, he is definitely not as valuable in a category league because the value of his field goal percentage and blocks is not captured over there. So in a points league, he is someone that he will improve, I still believe, but I don't know if he's going to improve to the point where it's worth holding him on, holding on to him at this stage. Now, 146 in the Yahoo points is still rosterable, but in a points league, you're probably more likely to be really churning through the back end of your roster and streaming more aggressively, in my opinion, because it's all just points at the end of the day, and you want to just get there by sheer volume. And Walker Kessler kind of sits in that zone of players that are okay to drop and stream, uh, especially while he's doing this. Now, he will have some big games every now and again, so you have to be ready to sort of live with that. And it might not be for every team, depending on what's available on the waiver wire and what other issues you have in your team. But I do believe that he is not going to be as valuable in a points league. But in a category league, he can definitely be better than this, in my opinion. He's averaging, what, is, what do we say, 24 minutes per night. I do think that that can come up by the end of the season up closer to 26 to 27 minutes per night, um, which just elevates everything for him. And he also is only averaging 55% from the field, where last season he averaged 72% from the field. So I do believe that there is scope for that to improve, making his 8.3 points per game and uh, on his 6.4 field goal attempts. Uh, something that might be able to get up to sort of seven field goal attempts and on 60 plus 65% shooting, that'll get him closer to basically 10 points per game. Again, still something closer to sort of nine and a half, 10 rebounds and the blocks, they should come up as well. He's still a really great block, shot blocker and someone that, you know, we've seen the last few games, four blocks, three blocks, five blocks. So with all those things considered, if I was to view him moving forward in a ranking order, and again, um, I have a lot of issues with rankings, especially throughout the season as we're referring to them in terms of how valuable a player is. And, and this is this is something, I'm going to pause on this for a bit. This is something that I want you guys to really get 
are ingrained into your system. I, w- I want the Bold Boys Fantasy Basketball listeners to be the fa- the, the smartest fantasy basketball uh, people out there because a lot of times people will ask me, should I trade this player for this player? Should I trade this player for this player? In a points league, it's very simple. Do you think they're going to average more points? Then yes, trade them. In a category league, it is much less simple. It is much more nuanced. So you might have someone that's ranked higher than the other, but you still don't want to trade them because it always comes back to your team and how your team is doing against other people in your league. So does your team, can you make use of the fact that Walker Kessler might average 2.5 blocks? Can you make use of the fact that he'll probably average 9 to 10 rebounds per game and shoot 65% from the field, albeit on low-volume attempts? Uh, Is the fact that he's going to score 10 points and hit zero? Uh, well, he hit a three actually the other game, but average zero threes essentially, no assists, no steals, be poor from the free throw line. Is that going to hurt your team more than it's going to help your team? So with all this said, and it's difficult when I'm doing a podcast, I'm talking to a lot of people, thousands of people um, you know, listening online. We, we use these rankings as sort of a generic way to value a player, but always remember, and this applies to everyone that we talk about on any show, Always remember that the value to your team may be different to the value on another team depending on what it is you need from that player compared to the rest of your league. So just quick disclaimer, sorry to go into that during this video, but I do think it's very important. I'm going to probably keep harping on about that because, again, it's where I think a lot of uh, people who are maybe newer to fantasy basketball or a bit more casual in playing fantasy basketball that we can get a lot better as better at as a community rather than just slapping a label on someone saying that, yep, he's the 90th ranked player. So you, if you trade him and get someone who's the 80th ranked player, that's a win where it's not that simple. In my opinion, Um, you need to be looking for specific categories, specific stats that will help your team beat the other teams in your league. And that always uh, doesn't always relate to a player's quote unquote rank. However, Going back, and we're going to talk about the player's rank, I do think that he is someone that could potentially still be a top 75 uh, player in a minus one sense. It is definitely something that um, is a disappointment from where he was drafted. In my minus one projections, I have him sitting at 63, in fact, uh, so a little bit higher than that. But again, I don't know if that really captures his value all that much compared to what you know the rank suggests. In an eight-category ranking, he is basically in the 100 range, and nine-cat, he's about the 70-ish range as well. So, so the top 75-ish, roughly, is where I'd be kind of valuing him moving forward. So I don't think we should be worried in terms of dropping him, um, although maybe in a points league, you might want to stream that position into Yahoo points. Uh, but I do think that he will be a disappointing, and we should be worried if we expected the top 40, top 30 uh, player that he was in the second half of last year when he was dominating. But I do still think that there's some upside that that player, if that's what you were hoping you were to draft, uh, does come back at, at points this season. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Let's talk about Brook Lopez, another similar story when it comes to players who rely on block shots. And he was someone that I was quite down on in the preseason. And so far, even I was not low enough uh, based on what he's been doing. He's the 97th ranked player in nine category leagues, 142nd in Yahoo points, which is um, you know quite bad, and 123rd when we look at minus one rankings. Again, if you guys don't know what minus one rankings are, check out my Twitter. I've done a, a tweet about that recently. And also go and check out my video, which is titled uh, Fantasy Basketball Rankings, Do They Matter? Um, have a look at that video. It explains it a lot. It, it was, you know, I put it out a couple of months ago, but it's still very relevant um, at the moment because it is important to be understanding on what are these actual rankings meaning. And I believe that in a head-to-head category league, minus one rankings are the best way to give yourself at least the best one-stop shop uh, place to get uh, a value sense of of how someone should be viewed in your league. Uh, So basically, he is averaging 26 minutes, which is down from his 30 minutes from last season. 
I don't see that really changing moving forward. I think that that is kind of what he is going to do. I see him in my preseason projections. I had him at 27 minutes. Um, so he's slightly below that. So maybe it comes up maybe one minute, but that's about it. The usage is well down, as is the field goal percentage. Now, the usage, I don't think it's actually going anywhere, really. He's averaging 9.3 field goal attempts versus the 11.5 field goal attempts he had last season. 1.2 free throw attempts versus the 2.4. I think that maybe ticks up a tiny bit, but really not much. It, it's the field goal percentage that I think will improve. He's currently averaging 39.3% from the field. I think that can get close to the high 40s, maybe even 50% from the field. So when he's averaging 10 points per game, I think that with the field goal percentage bumping up, that can be somewhere closer to sort of 12 or 13 points per game. Um But the rest is exactly kind of what I expect. That Like, he is someone that we... You know, go back two seasons. We were drafting him in the 120s. We were drafting him in the 110s. And even at some points, people were saying, well, that was a dumb decision. Obviously, last year worked out really, really well. But this guy is 35 years old, and he is not a high-usage player. You've added Damian Lillard. Chris Middleton is still ramping up, so there's going to be more shots going to Chris Middleton. So in terms of are we worried, do we think it's going to get dramatically better than this? No, I actually don't think it's going to get all that much better. Um, in my projections for a nine-category um, point of view... Like, he's still averaging 1.7 blocks per game. It's a far cry from his two, 2.5 blocks last year. But, look, again, the blocks, they're, they're highly variable week to week. And um, and I do believe that that is something that can um, kind of continue this season as well. He's averaged that kind of level before. So, I have him top 90 at this stage in terms of my projections. So, 97th right now. Maybe he improves a little bit with that field goal percentage coming back up, but that's about it. And in a minus one sense, if you're punting the assists or punting the steals or doing both, he can have use because of his good percentages and his blocks, and he hits a three and a half per game. That's all useful, so he's not a drop in those situations. In a points league, I do think he is a drop, especially in a Yahoo points league when you're not rewarded for efficiency. Um, yeah, I think you can drop Brook Lopez, and he is not someone you have to have on your roster. And I would, I would be dropping Brook Lopez before I'd be dropping Walker Kessler because I just don't see the upside in Brook Lopez getting much better than what he is doing right now. So I do think that in a Yahoo Points League, he is someone that we should be worried about and we should be dropping and moving on because I don't see a huge amount of upside from here. All right, let's talk about a non-big man. We're talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie is uh, an interesting player that we're going to talk about. He is currently ranked 192nd in nine category leagues. He is the 157th ranked player in Yahoo Points leagues. And he is also the 186th ranked player when we are considering minus one value. Now, he... Weirdly, last season, when he joined the Brooklyn Nets, his assist went through the roof. He started averaging like eight, over eight assists per game. And so far this season, he is averaging, as I have it here, 5.3 assists per game. And he's doing that in under 28 minutes per night. He also is actually not shooting too poorly from the field, 47%. That actually is higher than what he's done the majority of his career. So it's not poor shooting that's letting him down, although he's shooting very poorly from the free throw line at 42.9%, only on 1.2 attempts. So not hurting you too much there, despite the terrible percentage. That can definitely come up. But... Um, it's the fact that his usage is well, well down. He has definitely conceded usage to a player like Cam Thomas. Mikhail Bridges is still doing his thing. 
And he's also, on top of that, considered assist opportunities to a Ben Simmons. So he's lost uh, the basically the two main things that made him worthwhile in fantasy basketball, and that was his uh, points and assists and his threes. His threes are still doing okay, so the shots he is taking are more from downtown. Uh, but the fact that he's hitting 47% uh, from the field when the previous two seasons he was under 44%, means that that actually could have further to go. So I do think that uh, if, uh, Ron, what did you say? What was that, mate? Can we panic now? Yeah, yeah, we can panic now about Spencer Dinwiddie. He is someone that, again, I don't think you can you have to hold in fantasy leagues, in points or category leagues. I do believe, now there is some value in his assists, but also when a player like Cam Johnson or a Claxton come back, I'd have to think that at this stage, someone like a Cam Thomas can stay in the starting lineup and continue to do what he's doing over someone like a Spencer Dinwiddie because, I mean, look, yes, Dinwiddie's a better playmaker than someone like that, but they probably, in this team, need Cam Thomas's scoring punch a little bit more as long as he is doing it efficiently enough. Now, that could flip at any point, but as things are going right now, it would not stun me that if Cam Johnson comes back, Spencer Dinwiddie actually moves to the bench and plays a bit more of a six-man role. That may or may not happen, but what I'm also suggesting is that it's not going to get much better than this, and I feel like if you're holding onto a player who's the 186th ranked player at minus one or 160th, 150th in Yahoo points, there's not much upside to continue to do that, so I do think that you can drop him. He is His advanced ownership, in uh, according to Barcelona Monster, is 99% owned, which actually really surprises me. Um, I get that the assists are useful right now, but when he's hurting you in a lot of other areas, no defensive stats, the points are you know, very low. The threes are okay, but you can really get those a lot of different areas. The free throw percentage is horrible, and that field goal percentage has a lot of scope to come down. I do think that you can probably find or stream that position and maybe even stream assist a little bit more effectively without hurting a lot of your other categories in other situations. Um, for example, him versus a Kobe White, who we're not going to talk about today, but I'd rather Kobe White over a player like Spencer Dinwiddie because um, at least I see a little bit more upside with him versus I actually see further downside with someone like a Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm not considering Kobe White uh, you know, the, the best player in fantasy hoop by any stretch, but I am suggesting that Spencer Dinwiddie, we, we should be worried. Absolutely. Let's talk about the next guy here, and he's currently injured. Um, he's questionable, so I, I, there's a few players that I haven't concluded because they're out for a longer term in like a Wendell Carter and a Markel Fultz, but I have... Uh, sorry, not Markel Fultz. Um, someone else, I can't remember, but Markel Fultz we will talk about here, and he, to start the season, uh, did not perform well in his first uh, four games. He is, on, his, on those first four games, ranked 143rd in nine category rankings, 114th in points leagues, and 146th when it comes to minus one rankings, and he actually got dropped in the uh, Fantasy Basketball International World Cup League that I am in. And I jumped on it, and I managed to get him on my league in a, in a, in a team that I'm punting assists and steals. So he's not the perfect fit in my team, but I, I've actually been doing better in steals than I anticipated. So I might try to turn that category around or at least uh, be semi-competitive in that. And, and I do believe he can be a lot better than this. He, at the moment... The minutes are a little bit down. So when he was playing, again, he was averaging 28.6 minutes per game. He was uh, closer to 30 last season. 
averaging uh, much, much lower usage, 18.1% versus 20.9% the year before. Uh, and his field goal percentage was was fine, averaging 50% from the field. So again, that's another valuable thing for him, even if in the team that I was doing, you know, punting assists and steals, his field goal percentage is useful. Um 11 points, 3.8 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.3 steals. It's all, it's all decent. It's all useful. All we really need is to see that usage just tick up a little bit. The minutes ramp up a little bit as well. And I do believe that he is someone that will kind of replicate what he did last season. Now, Suggs is playing more time this year than last season. You've also got Anthony Black. But Anthony Black wasn't really getting much time until Fultz went down. So I do believe that when Fultz comes back, you're going to see Anthony Black go back down into a lesser role. And I don't think that he's really conceding too many assist opportunities to those other players. He might not reach the heights of last season, but even then he was only averaging 5.7 assists versus 4.3 in the first four games. I think that this is just a classic small sample size um, and, you know, very, you know, average start to the season for Markel Fultz. But I do consider him to be someone that we don't need to worry about. I do think he'll be better than this and he absolutely must be rostered in both category and points leagues as well. So uh, not someone that I am panicking yet. And if you, like me, have seen him on the waiver wires in any of your leagues, I would immediately go and jump and grab him um, because he should be back relatively soon and he should be good once he's back. Let's talk about DeAnthony Melton here, who is a player that I have been very high on in the past, and a similar situation happened for him last year. Now, he is currently the 171st ranked player in nine category leagues, 150th in Yahoo points, and 158th when considering minus one. Now, he is not doing that well compared to what we expect him to do. But the biggest thing that I will draw your attention to is he is shooting 32.7% from the field. That is unsustainably low. Now, he is by no means a good field goal percentage guy, but he is by no means not that terrible. Last year, he was 42.5%. The year before, 404 The year before that, 438 so even though it, those are not good numbers, they are still 10 percentage points better than what he is doing right now. If you take his exact same usage that he's doing right now and just go to 42%, again, not a far cry. It's not difficult to average 42%, especially when he's done it two out of the last three seasons. He uh, jumps from 8.3 points up to over 10, close to 11 points per game. He goes from averaging 1.73s, closer to two threes per game. And the rest is exactly what you want from him. He's averaging 1.3 steals. You could see that go up to 1.5 easily. Again, low volume, small sample size. He's had a steal in every single game so far this season. It's just going to take one game where he goes off for four steals and that number will come back up. So he is someone that in a minus one ranking, I think has top 75 upside. Again, though... Remember, he's he's quite a specific type of player. If you're punting steals, you don't have any use for that, then he is no longer he's not going to be as valuable to your team. But if you can use that category to get some wins, he will be very valuable because he can get you steals. He can get you sort of, you know, four assists per game. He can get you, you know, a couple of threes per game. He can get you half a block per game. Uh, he's not going to turn the ball over a bunch if you if you worry about that. He'll give you four, three to four rebounds per game. So these things all add up. 
He's he's never going to be a, a 20 point per night scorer. He's not going to be a 50% guy from the field, but that's fine. That's not what you have D'Anthony Melton for. So again, if you are worried about him and again, he is um he's dropping he's on some waiver wise out there because people are worried about him. He did have a better game last game where he had 14 points on uh 50% from the field. And it's just going to take that one game where he has four steals and two blocks and hits you know, five threes, then people are going to go, oh shit, we're going to get this guy. I don't think his minutes are going anywhere. I think he's going to be locked into a, you know, high 20s in minutes uh, season. He was the 77th ranked player in nine category leagues in just 28 minutes last year. There's no reason I can see that he can't at least do that. So I would definitely be preaching patience on a D'Anthony Melton and to hold and do not fold him. Uh, and that goes for Yahoo Points Leagues as well. He's not as good in a points league format, but I do think he can be around the sort of top 120-ish kind of zone. Um, so again, in a 10-team points leagues, you don't have to have Anthony Melton. You don't need to do that. In a 12-team, I think you, I think he is he's decent. He's probably not a must roster, but I do think he's probably maybe not your worst player on, on a situation like that. So, um, But yeah, in a Yahoo, uh, sorry, in a category league in general, yes, absolutely, you need to hold on. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's talk about another guard, uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Now, Emmanuel Quickly is a guy that I've been I've been a fan of for a little while. It's a little bit frustrating in terms of the minutes here for him, and that is what's really leading to his uh, poor season so far. 163rd in nine category leagues, 143, uh, 143rd in Yahoo points, and 155th in minus one ranking. And it's nothing really that he's doing. It's more the fact that he is playing 23.6 minutes per game. And if that is the trend that continues then he is someone that you can drop and move on from. Now, in that time, he is putting up 163rd ranked player, 155th in minus one. He's still putting up, you know, 14.6 points, 1.6 threes, 3.3 assists. He's doing it relatively efficiently with low turnovers. So in most scenarios, if you're in a competitive league, I would be holding on to Emmanuel quickly for a little bit longer. I, do, I don't believe that anyone you're adding off the waiver wire at this stage has the upside that Emmanuel quickly has. If the minutes come up, the production will come up with it. Uh, last season, he averaged 29 minutes per game and you know there's a few injuries and things like that and he was minutes in the, the 30s and was putting up really, really big value in that time. Now, they've added Dante DiVincenzo and gotten rid of Obi Toppin, which means that the guard minutes are all a little bit more cramped. But in saying that, 
there's still been some games where he's put up some decent lines, and he is going to be a guy that relies on, okay, there's a shot going down, how high is the usage in that particular game? So I do believe that he is someone that needs to be held on to. In a 10-team league, it's a little bit less clear. It's going to be very much dependent on what's available in a, in a, uh, on your waiver wire. I would typically say in a 10-team league that he is probably someone that you don't have to hold. But in a 12-team league, I definitely do think you have to hold. He's providing back-end 12-team value right now, and we have clear upside that if anything happens to any other player in this team, and it could be anyone. It could be Josh Hart. It could be Brunson. It could be RJ Barrett, which we've seen. It could be Dante DiVincenzo. It can be Quinton Grimes. If any of those players go down, he's going to see a bump up in his minutes, and throughout an entire season, you're going to see that happen. So I, I think that just being patient, riding through these people, Periods where he is lower in minutes when everyone's healthy um, is you know something you're just going to have to live with for a little while. And even in that time, he can give you some kind of value. And when someone goes out, his value will spike up. And I do believe that he will be better than this. So should we be worried about Emmanuel quickly? I don't think so. Um, maybe it's not as exciting as what you hoped and then the minutes have not been there. But I don't think we should be worried to the point of dropping him is probably the way I would say that. Let's talk about Andrew Wiggins. Now, this one is, uh, again, I'll ask my friend Ron. Uh, uh, can we, well, what's, what's your question here, Ron? Can we panic now? Yes, let's panic. Let's panic about Andrew Wiggins. What is going on with this bloke? I mean, first of all, I hope he's all good because he missed a big chunk of last season for personal reasons. But he is atrocious so far this year. And again, according to Basketball Monsters advanced ownership percentage, he is 92% owned in 12-team category leagues, which is astonishingly astonishingly high in my opinion. But he currently is the 413th ranked player in nine category leagues, 215th in Yahoo points, and 307th in minus one ranking. And there's a few things going on here. Number one, He's shooting terribly from the field. He's shooting 41.5% from the field and 53% from the free throw line. Absolutely horrible. Um, Now, he is not normally a great guy from both of those positions, but he's better usually from the field. So I have to think that that is coming up a little bit, at least a little bit. The more concerning thing to me here is the minutes. He is playing 25 minutes per game, and the Warriors are choosing to close games with Gary Payton, with Chris Paul, with uh, Kaminga sometimes, Moses Moody sometimes, ahead of an Andrew Wiggins. And he and Kevon Looney are the two guys that sometimes get moved out of the lineup for a different lineup. Draymond, Clay, and Steph are their big three. They're not going anywhere. They're playing their 30 minutes. Chris Paul is playing his 28 minutes, and Gary Payton Jr. is playing his 22 minutes a night as well. Um, Kevon Looney playing sort of 18 to 24 minutes, depending on the matchup as well. So a lot of the time, that leads to Andrew Wiggins getting a reduced amount of playing time. And even if those percentages, you know, come back, I, I don't think the minutes are coming back, in all honesty. I think that they're they're prioritizing a few of those other guys ahead of him. And he just doesn't look right at all. So... Um, I I definitely think that he is not worthwhile holding through this rubbish. Um, and I don't think there might be a point where we're picking him back up off the waiver wire at some point. I don't know. Like, like I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be. You know, if if he never becomes a top 150 player the rest of this season, I'm not going to be shocked. Now it could happen, but you're not holding a guy who's putting up numbers outside the top 409 category, outside the top 300 and minus one uh, for the hope that he's top 150 in nine category leagues. 
I don't want to worry about that. So I think that, yes, uh, Ron, we do need to worry and do need to panic about um, Andrew Wiggins, and I would be totally fine dropping him to get someone else into your squad uh, for more value. Let's talk about another wing here in Benedict Matherin. And yes, I do also believe we need to be worried about Benedict Matherin. In fact, I think he is someone that you can comfortably move on from. He is the 248th ranked player in nine category leagues, 183rd in Yahoo points, and 216th in minus one. I liked him as a late round kind of guy to grab because um, the free throw percentage and the free throw volume was really strong and unique at that point of the draft. But his usage has actually fallen back from last season, which is surprising. So he was the he was averaging 24.9% usage last year off the bench. He's averaging 229 this season. The minutes are actually down as he's starting this year. Now, a few blowouts have been there, but even in the competitive games, he hasn't cracked over 30 minutes so far this season. I think the addition of Bruce Brown and... Um, Neesmith have actually hurt him a little bit as well. So the rotation for the inner paces is just a little bit all over the place. And for a guy whose stat set is fairly empty, we haven't really seen many improvements in the steals or assists or threes or anything like that. Uh, He's just not worth rostering. Again, if he becomes fantasy relevant later in the season, we can look at him then. But I don't think you have to put up with it now. Um, and again, he is rostered in 62% of, uh, you know, according to Barcelona's advanced ownership, 62% of 12-team leagues. And I think that, look, he's only averaging 11 points. Um, so you're, you're really rostering him for nothing, really, like, good turnovers <laughs> for a little bit of points. I, I think you can do better by streaming the position, really. Um, I think he'll be better because I think the minutes are going to be higher with fewer blowouts and things like that, but I don't know how much, and I don't think it's going to be enough to really hold on. So I do think that, yes, we should be worried about Benedict Matherin, and you can move on. Let's talk about the next guy here, and this one hurts me a little bit here, but Josh Giddy is someone that has been very disappointing so far this season. There was a little bit of, I had a little bit of concern about him just in relationship, how does, how does Chet Holmgren affect him, and I was a little bit worried about his uh, rebounding numbers, and so far that has proven to be correct. Um, his rebounding numbers are at six per game after being at nearly eight for his rookie and um, second year in the NBA, and I don't really see that improving all that much from there. Maybe the more concerning thing so far is he's averaging 4.3 assists and only 12.7 points per game. Two things here. He's averaging a higher usage rate, but his field goal percentage has gone from 48% last season to 40% this season. So I do think that that will improve. He will be more efficient from the field. Um, And again, when the usage rate is very, very similar then I think he can get back up to his 16 points per game. So I'm not necessarily worried about his scoring. That will improve. The assists, however, a little bit concerning. I don't think he is going to be um, as bad as he is. But if he was someone that averaged 6.2 assists last season, there's no guarantee that he gets back to that this season. I think that there is a, you know, that this team is is one team that doesn't rely on one player setting up the entire team. It's not like a Tyrese Halliburton who controls the entire offense, a Luka Doncic that controls the entire offense. They're full of good playmaking players, guys that share the ball, which is great from the basketball point of view. I think it's the right way to go. But in terms of his assist volume, he's not the guy that sort of just pounds the, the air out of the ball and just sets players up. So I do think that there is a risk that he doesn't get to those six 
or seven assists per game, um, which is not the best for him. It's a big part of his value and the rebounding numbers taking a hit with a player like Chet there. It is a big concern. So I do think that whilst he's not going to be the 250th ranked player so far this season, I do think that we, at the end of the day, will be disappointed in where we drafted him. And I, I think in certain punt builds... Ones that, you know, punt the threes or, or steals or something like that. He can be, you know, top 100-ish. But in a nine-category rankings, he will be a little bit... Uh, he'll be more closer towards that top 150, 140. Um, so he has value. Not someone I'd be dropping. But I also don't know how much I consider him a buy low because... When you're buying low, you're buying low with someone who's going to really change life for you. And I don't think Josh Giddy's going to really do that. Like, he's definitely rosterable, no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of expecting maybe 16, 6, and 5.5. And but again, less than, you know, maybe a 3 per game, you know, 0.7, 0.8 steals, 0.3, 0.4 blocks. Solid field goal percentage, but not spectacular. Below average free throw percentage and higher turnovers. So he he's above average in assists, average in rebounds, average in points, and the rest is all below average. So it's it's not a big recipe for success with fantasy basketball. So yes, I am worried about Josh Giddy. He's not a drop by any means, but again, I think we need to reevaluate our expectations of what he can be. And if you drafted him in the mid fifties, I'm sorry to say, but I think you're going to be a bit disappointed with his output this season. And the last guy we're going to talk about here is Jeremy Sohan, who, by some uh, metrics, he is doing very, very poorly. Um, 223rd in nine category rankings, 148th in Yahoo Points League, so much better in a Points League format, and 176 when it comes to minus one. Now, this guy was someone that we got excited about once we saw that he was a starting point guard. And um, I don't know what people's expectations were, but I never expected him to come out and average seven assists per game. Now, I know he's the point guard. But, you know, the 4.6 assists that he's averaging at the moment, I think is about what I was expecting. Now, what I did expect for him is the field goal percentage to be a lot better. So he is at the moment averaging 8.4 points per game on 39% from the field and 69% from the free throw line. Now, the free throw shooting, that might not improve. I mean, he's got the one-handed shot. It did improve better than this last season, so it might get a little bit higher, but... It might not as well. But the field goal percentage, I can pretty much safely guarantee that he's going to be much better than this. Last year, he was shooting forty three, sorry, 45.3% from the field for 11 points per game. And I think that you could comfortably see that return to that level. Um, he's a young player. And again, small sample sizes. He's had some games, uh, you know, a couple of games where he's averaged over uh, 15, sorry, 50% from the field. But then he's also had some games where he's literally missed both his shots and gone 0% from the field or 25% or 33%. These are going to be numbers that correct over time. I also believe that the um, steal and block numbers can be slightly better. So he's averaging one steal and 0.3 blocks. I think that that can be a little bit more improved. He's not going to be a huge like Asar Thompson um, stocks guy, steals and blocks guy, but he can get closer to sort of 1.1, 1.2 steals and maybe closer to 0.5 blocks instead of 0.3. All of that just raises his value a little bit. So I definitely still think that he is someone you can hold on to. If he's on your waiver wire and you're like a punt free throw or a punt threes kind of a team, then I would absolutely be going ahead and adding him and getting him on my roster. 
And if you're in a points league, I do think that he will be better than this. I think that he has scope to improve his points average by about about four or five points per game higher than what he is at the moment, just based on that field goal percentage coming up and some more steals and blocks coming his way. I also think that the rebounds can also come up a little bit as well. So all in all, I think that he is someone that... um, the rankings don't flatter him because of the poor percentages, and they might not at the end of the day. But again, when we talk about minus one rankings, punt builds, and things like that, he does still have value as a guy that can fit certain team builds, and especially for a points league, he can be uh, worthwhile. So I would be holding Jeremy Sohan and adding him if he's on the waiver wire. All right, that will do it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for tuning into this one. Hope you enjoyed the last few shows over the last couple of days. If you haven't already, go and check out my top five well, not top five, but five players to sell high and five players to buy low in my most recent uh, podcasts and videos. And tomorrow, please join me as we recap the Monster 14-game uh, slate in the NBA where we're going to basically talk about every single team in the NBA except for the Atlanta Hawks and Orlando Magic and talk about all the comings and goings in the fantasy basketball landscape and just recapping everything and what we can learn from the games as we collect more and more data. Hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.